back to Politically Unwrapped, a podcast by Project Patriarchy. I'm your host, Ava. And I'm your other host, Anthony. Let's get into what's been happening. From the White House, President Biden spoke about the 10 victims of the mass shooting in Boulder, Colorado. He expressed his condolences to the families and discussed long-term consequences of gun violence. He also praised the police response, describing Officer Eric Talley as an American hero who was killed in the shooting. He then urged Congress to pass gun reform laws, which would close loopholes in the background checks and prohibit assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. So, I think... The shooting is, uh, that's just like, uh, the response to it has been very interesting, in my opinion. For the first thing, I am very, 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 very happy that um, kind of like the negativity behind all cops, it hasn't necessarily gone away, but I think it's kind of lighting, lightening up that we see kind of like this officer and his sacrifice to his job and stuff like that. And he's described as an American hero. And another thing, I think a lot of this has sparked a lot of anti-gun uh, uh, conversation. And I think that's another issue. Uh, I think there's also like a race issue behind it. I know a lot of people, I did see a lot of uh, sources on Twitter, things like that, to talk about, oh, it's probably like a white shooter, you know, doing something racist, something like that. And it ended up being not a white shooter. And I think... Uh, Although it's a little bit, you know, not now we don't see much of it. I think it kind of turned from something where someone wanted to take it out on race, something to take it out on guns. Now, now that when they found that it wasn't a, uh, a white shooter, and that's something, and that's something I saw from because this is one of the other major shootings after the uh, shooting that happened, where uh, six, uh, where eight people were killed, six Asian women and two white women. And I think that was kind of turned into a race thing. So I think this one wanted to be turned into a race thing, but they didn't. So it was turned into a anti-gun thing. That's an issue with me because I don't agree with a lot of gun reform laws. When I think gun reform laws at the very most, you, you can add, a, I guess, a few extra systems to background checks, not like a few extra days, but like just something that would hold you up for like an, another 30 minutes when it comes to background checks. I don't agree in waiting days for guns. I also don't agree with banning guns in any form. I do think we do need a lot more gun education and we need a lot more look into mental health to solve a lot of these issues. That's as uh, far as my opinions like go in terms of like guns and kind of like the responses. Um, so yeah, just to address a few things you said, like when you said you're glad the negativity around cops has gone away. I feel like um, it gets misinterpreted a lot that everyone hates cops when it's really the system behind it that people have a problem with because those people are upholding the system. A lot of time, it's not just looking at these people, it's the system behind them. And then um, about the eight people who were killed and you said, and six of them were Asian women, you said that kind of got turned into a race issue. I think that's one, partially because of the way it was handled and two, because of the spread of information about Asian hate. I do think it says something though, when the, um, one of the officers on the case has made posts about how um, COVID, like it's all Asians fall and that and when you have posts like that, it does get turned into a race issue because of the way it was handled. 
I don't think as far as that situation goes, he should have been able to say, oh, this guy had a bad day because everyone has bad days and that's not the correct response. But I do think a lot more of the way it was handled was why that one got turned into a race issue. As far as this one goes, I think a lot of the talk surrounding it is because um, after Parkland, Boulder was one of the cities that unanimously adopted a wide ranging ban on the sale and possession of assault weapons, high capacity magazines and bump stock devices. Earlier this month, a judge decided that Boulder couldn't do that. And then they were prohibited from enforcing its nearly three year old assault weapons ban. And then less than two weeks after that happened, was the shooting. And I i mean, I know we disagree on the topic of gun control, but for me, it's one, a subject of do ordinary citizens really need assault weapons? It's not all guns. I'm just talking about assault weapons. And two, when is enough enough? Like when are we going to say too many people have died because of this? And I know a few weeks ago when we talked about this, you said two things that really stuck out to me. You said that one, these guns are going to get into their hands anyway. And two, what if we need them in case of a like taking over the government situation? But in my opinion, if we can just make something a little safer by making it a little harder and illegal for someone to get something, then it's worth it. And in the case where we need them in the future, I would argue that people are dying now because of this. And there was, I mean, if you look at like, if we need something in case of the government. I mean, there was a riot at the Capitol without gunfire. And I mean, yes, people had guns, but there was still a riot that didn't involve gunfire. And I mean, I know we're just going to disagree on this topic, um, but that's just my opinion on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, before moving on, I just kind of want to say to like respond on like the, uh, we talked about kind of a couple weeks ago. I, I see what you're saying. People are dying now, but in the terms of we do need to, like if we ever had to overthrow the government, that. I'm not trying to discredit the lives that have died from gun violence, but at the same time, in the case of like an authoritarian government or like we need to overthrow the government, everyone is being affected. Of course, everyone's at, of course, you can make the argument that everyone's at risk now, but only a minority are affected. If we have an authoritarian government, every single person will, well, nearly every single person except for a high elite would have an obviously worse quality of life. That's why we have guns. Although a minority are affected now, it's important to note that, you know, you say you want to ban assault weapons because it would make things safer, but, you know, like assault rifles, things like that, those only make up around 4% of gun deaths. The majority of, of overwhelmingly over 60% are done by handguns. It, I get what you're trying to say. You're trying to make things safer, but the reality is statistics show that the, the things that people are trying to ban don't do nearly as much damage as they say they are. Yeah. And, oh, continue. Sorry. Yeah. And just to like add on, uh, I don't agree with the officer when it comes to like, you know, he kind of turned, he was blaming the like Asians and I guess, you know, more specifically like, Chinese for the, um, for the coronavirus and saying that that guy had just had a bad day. But I feel like another thing we have to look at is I'm not saying that guy was innocent. I'm not saying the guy wasn't the good, but I think like what once again, what I was talking about earlier, we need to look at mental health when it comes to this. So I'm not saying let them off, you know, just give them some therapy. No, obviously needs to go to jail, of course. But these things are preventable. If we just look more into the mental health side of it, and if we look more into the gun education side of it, it's things like these that could be solved like that, not by banning guns. There are other solutions. People just don't want to take them because there's such a negativity behind guns that people think, oh, they're it's only so negative but proper gun education is what we need and proper mental like in and like improvement on mental health systems and getting people the help they need that would also solve it because a lot of these just are caused by people just you know 
it's true. They did have a it, they did have a bad day, just worse than others. And I'm not saying that that makes him makes it justified, but I'm saying he was right in a way that it was technically a bad day. I get it. He was in a bad place. It doesn't justify it, but like I said, with the proper mental health help, then it would have been prevented. I just like my response to that would be one, yes, you're correct. We have to look at mental health, but I think it needs to be looked at in a way of if he had, if there was record of this before, he should have never been allowed to have a gun in the, in the first place. If people had any idea that his bad day was going to look like this, he should have never been allowed to have a gun in the first place. And for me, I know you said, you know, this really only does affect a, a minority of people, but it's traumatizing for those people. I haven't even been through a real school shooter situation, but I can just remember two past times in my life right after Sandy Hook when my substitute teacher, we went on lockdown. She told us in detail what was happening and how teachers had to hide their students in their classroom. And then when in one of my first few days of middle school, we went on a complete lockdown because some kid was carrying a camera and a tripod bag and some kid called it as a gun. It's terrifying to sit there and not know what's going on. And I know like you're saying this only affects a minority of people, but that doesn't, but it's still a fear that a lot of people live with every day. Like I shouldn't have to go to school and be scared that someone's going to have a bad day and show up to school with a gun. Yeah, I get that for sure. And I, like, once again, I think, you know, we're always going to disagree with this, but I don't think banning guns is a solution because it's exactly when the government kind of takes hold. Uh, like once, just once again, I think there needs just, Education. I think education is a solution. We don't have a lot of education around these things today. So I think it creates a lot more fear. So we might not agree, but, you know, you think the solution is banning guns or at least some type of guns. I think the solution is proper education when it comes to guns. I do think we are always going to disagree on this. Mm-hmm. So moving on. The House Administration Committee is looking into a challenge filed by Rita Hart a defeated Iowa Democrat against uh, Marionette uh, Miller Meeks, a freshman Republican who won the race by just six votes. Uh, on Monday, attorneys for the two candidates presented the panel with their initial legal briefs. Miller Meeks counsel dismissed Hart's claims in a terse 23 uh, page brief, saying Hart had just uh, had the burden of pro- uh, proving that a state certified election should be uh, overturned. I just think it's interesting how the tables have kind of turned in this scenario, but I also think if she wants to challenge it, then she can ask for a recount. That's her right, but there's a difference, I think, when you ask for a recount and there is one and it shows you've lost, and then obviously between like what we saw happening in our um, national election with like suing states and spreading false information about fraud, but if she wants to ask for a recount, that's it's, 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 it's going to be accepting the recount once it happens, if that's what she chooses to do. And I mean, when you look at it and it's by just six votes, I mean, that might be hard to come to terms with, so. Yeah, um, I'm all for that. Uh, I think recounts are, I think they're good, especially, you know, I think there's lots of human error involved. I know I get like, I know like whenever I'm doing like something like extremely tedious and I have to count out like a certain number of things or something, if it's like a long number and especially it's like a long number, or, like I know, I don't know if it was on my system or like actual personal ballot or what. I know a lot of things, you know, can have mistakes and things like that. So I think 
you know, with the margin that close, uh, I'm all for like a recount of sorts. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just interesting. I think I agree with you. It's just interesting. Uh, I'm personally, I'm, I don't see the harm. So there's that. Yeah, I just think if it had been me, I probably would have asked for a recount too because six votes is a very, very close margin. And it's not as if she's asking people to find the votes. She's just saying, let's recount because this was so close. And I think that's within her rights. Moving on, Representative Tom Reed of New York apologized on Sunday for sexual misconduct charges made against him by a former lobbyist. In a statement, he said he accepted full responsibility for his actions. Reed, who was first elected to Congress in 2010, the six-term Republican had earlier stated that he would not seek re-election to the House of Representatives for more than six terms, but he had been considering a run for governor of New York next year. The Washington Post published the allegations made by Nicolette Davis, a former lobbyist, on Friday. During a 2017 networking trip to Minneapolis, Davis told, told the paper a group of lobbyists and Reed stopped at an Irish pub in the city. However, Reed first denied Davis's account telling the post, this account of my actions is not accurate. He declined to respond to further questions from the newspaper. Yeah. Um, so he, if he, if he straight out apologized, I think that kind of shows that, I think that just adds a lot against him. And I don't know, he probably is, uh, guilty just on the fact that he apologized you don't apologize for something you're not guilty for although uh, I would understand if like no evidence ever I don't know how much evidence there is but I would understand if like no evidence actually if actually came up and he explained like the only reason he apologized was because this kind of gave him like a negative like reputation just because you know whenever someone these days whenever there's something alleged against someone they're typically just automatically looked at as guilty by a lot of people. No, that's not necessarily something I think is good, but I mean, I, I think sometimes, you know, it's true. Sometimes it's not. And if it's not, that's a huge issue down the line because people's lives have been absolutely ruined. Not trying to say that the, that people who are actually victims who are accusing someone uh, aren't victims, but I'm just saying uh, the difference is at least, at least one side, they do get a lot of, at least the accusers, if they are, if they are telling the truth, typically either way, whether they are or aren't, they do get a lot of like praise um, from it. Whether they aren't or aren't telling the truth, while the person accused, whether they did or did not do it, down the line, they still get a lot of hate. Um, so I think that's sort of like the issue with the with like situations like this. But in the case where he just straight out apologized like this, I think he. Probably is guilty, but I I don't know how much proof is involved. That's about as far as I know to the story. I would just when I looked at it, I kind of looked at it as like comparing him and Governor Cuomo. And I think his move to apologize is politically smarter because Cuomo saying that it just didn't happen, I think brought I mean when there was four women going against Cuomo saying like it did happen, him denying it did not look good for him and it did not help him. And now people don't want him to be governor anymore. So I think politically the move to apologize was smarter, but I also think we don't need another guy who has sexual misconduct charges as the governor of New York. Like, I think we can just find someone who doesn't have that behind their name. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I would say I kind of uh I would say like I mostly agree with that yeah 
Uh, so, moving on. Vladimir Putin has received the COVID-19 vaccine partially to encourage other Russians who are still hesitant to get the vaccine. The Kremlin has not specified which vaccine Mr. Putin received. Um, I think it's great that anyone is getting the vaccine. I also see this, I think you see this in the U.S. also with representatives spreading information and encouraging people to get the vaccine just so, you know, we build up that herd immunity and more people get vaccinated. But I think the more people that get vaccinated, the better. You know, personally, not a big fan of the vaccine. I think it was, I did commend, I do commend, I did commend Donald Trump for something like uh, Operation uh, Warp Speed, where he kind of tried to fast, like he tried to extend things and make things faster to get a vaccine. Although I did, I do want a faster, I did want a factor vaccine. I didn't want one in less than a year. And my issue with that is that we don't really know long-term effects of, vac- of this vaccine. I just, I don't feel comfortable with it. I, I kind of don't like saying I don't like the vaccine because it makes me sound very anti-vax and I do support like all immunizations, but ex- in the case of COVID-19, it just makes me uncomfortable because I don't really know the long-term effects of it. People have had it for the longest now, haven't even had it for, you know, a year. So we don't know the effects and we have seen, you know, somewhat negative results. I get it's a small minority, but that minority is like as much as as many people die from the from COVID nineteen in the first place. So I really don't see the point in getting the vaccine. I think, you know, you just kind of got to wear your mask, keep your distance. But I, I think, and the I could see myself getting the vaccine in a few years. I don't see myself getting it now. I really hope schools and gov- like government jobs and things like that. I really hope they don't make force you to get the vaccine because I think it should and end up being the people's choice. I would get it in a few years from now. Uh, school started to make it required but right now i just don't think it's the responsible choice i think you can educate yourself and if you want to get it right now if you want to go ahead i i I get why people don't want to uh take it just due to lack of long-term uh looking into it um i see what you're saying but i guess in my case it's more of uh i look at it as yes we don't know the long-term effects but Again, I feel like this is the difference. You're you look into the future more than I do, while I look at what's happening right now. And right now, COVID is impacting everyone. And I mean, my mom got her first vaccine, and I thought that was great. And I just, as far as the vaccine goes, I I don't think it's going to be a mandatory thing. I mean, when my school district is vaccinating the teachers, it's up to their decision whether they want to do that or not. But I think it's getting that herd immunity and seeing what we can do now about COVID because waiting a few years to see the long-term effects, I, I mean, I just think it's better that we get it done now. And if you wait, I mean, I guess that's your choice, but. Mm-hmm. And as far as you said, we don't think it's going to be mandatory. Um, I uh, I do know that I at least have, I think it's, I don't know if it's my school or my district, but I know my teacher said uh, that they are requiring all teachers to uh, get vaccinated before the next school year. So I think it kind of took away a lot of, of course, there's exemptions. I think he said there's exemptions to those allergic, but I think, uh, yeah, I, I do. I did think that was kind of surprising when I found out they were being required for at least my teachers. Well, and I, I just, I th- I'm sure it is there's an exemption you can get because even with the required vax, uh, like shots that 
students have to get. All you have to do for my school district, at least, is go to district office and get a religious exemption form and fill that out and you don't have to have your shots. So I'm sure there is some sort of option like that. But again, if you want to wait and see what comes out of it, that's fine. But I think the people taking it now, it's doing better to build up herd immunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I would say herd immunity is important, but uh, personally, I'd rather just go through the natural course of herd immunity and such. Uh, but I think that's as far as I think we'll agree on that in terms of COVID. Yeah, probably. Um, A day after the EU, UK, and US and Canada blacklisted some senior Chinese officials for human rights violations against against ethnic Uyghurs, Russia and China have jointly condemned Western sanctions. The attack occurred during Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov's visit to uh, southern China. Oh God, um, uh, I always I feel like if a war ever occurred, the three like powers that we would have to worry about would always be Russia, China, America. Three strongest countries, arguably, when it comes to the military. Um, of course, there are some strong countries like Egypt, Japan, France, UK, Germany, things like that. But they just don't really compare in overall power. It's really terrifying when Russia and China join up and condemn Western sanctions. Tensions are only, only going to go bigger, I feel like, uh, especially I've, I don't know who would make the first move in this scenario, but I feel like tensions are eventually going to go bigger, and I'm just kind of afraid that, you know, we might go to don't see us going to war, at least in the short-term future, but I think long-term, I could definitely see it as like a possibility uh, overall, just uh, with a lot of more, I don't want to say communist, because I know they're not real communists, but a lot of more socialist authoritarian countries against uh, more, I don't want to say libertarian either, but more uh, free countries. I could see a war with that happening. I think that's going to be a huge, and I think it's going to kind of solve a lot of I think in the end of it, it's going to solve a lot of tension between all these major powers. And I think that war would lead to like at least one major superpower of sorts. It could lead to a lot of people being hurt, but I don't know. I just, I hope this thing is kind of diffused and maybe I know it's a long shot. I hope it's kind of diffused and the Chinese just decide to release the, uh, the Muslims, but I know realistically that's not a possibility. Intentions are only going to get higher. Um, I mean, I think we've talked about our ideas on sanctions a lot in the past weeks, and I know what these countries are trying to do is hold China and Russia accountable, but again, our our thoughts on sanctions have been clear. Mm -hmm. So on Monday, the trial of Canadian Michael Covert, who has been detained in China for more than two years on espionage charges, came to a close. Uh, to close in a Beijing courtroom with the verdict to be announced at a later date. In December 2018, China detained Kovrig, a former diplomat and fellow Canadian Michael Spavor, shortly after Canadian police detained uh, Meng uh, Wenzhou, uh, who, oh, uh, sorry if I mispronounced this, but uh, 
who Huawei's chief financial officer on a U.S. warrant. Um, over the years, Canada, Canada, Canada has tried patience, please, and more recently, uh, concentrated pressure to no avail. Kovrig remains in Chinese prison, where his wife said he has shown remarkable resilience and resolve. Um, I do think this goes along with the issue. It's kind of like the um, politician being that was detained in Russia, where it's the issue of like, can't are you able to do this, and what can we do about it? Um, I do, I do think it says something that Canada has tried to get him out and not just leave him there. I mean, I'm not surprised. I I, I did know there's going to be like at least some sort of. Uh, I think there's going to be eventually some sort of answer to this. I know a lot of times countries do kind of advocate for the people to be free. Uh, I kind of want to know, like, what did, like, Wang, uh, Wanzo, what did he, um, what did he kind of, like, do to get detained in the first place? Uh, so I can know, like, what, why, like, what the response and kind of add more context to the response of Chinese official in detaining uh, COVID. I know that COVID's charges had to do with him supposedly um, stealing intelligence information and passing it on. And that was in, again, 2018. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, That's, yeah, that's definitely going to get you detained by uh, China, especially if it's true. Yeah. Uh, uh, I do think that when reporters are sort of detained in a country and they're kind of held captive and arrested, I think that's a huge issue. Do you think countries really need to advocate for these uh, people to get them back? I think this is the type of things where I do support kind of force additive when it comes to countries. I don't think it's fair to just uh, jail them. I do get in terms of, the, you know, obtaining intelligence and stuff like that. But at the same time, you got to realize that you're sort of a risk as an authoritarian like state. So of course you're kind of like a like a risk and things like that. Uh, personally, I would I would understand if you know if we held back someone if other countries got mad at us for it, and especially if they're trying to gain intel from us, you know of course I would support America. But I guess it's just a, I guess you got to kind of look at it from the different perspective of your country and who you have kind of like your your support of nationalism for. I think you kind of got to look at it through that lens. Of course, in this case, the U.S. is kind of I don't want to say too neutral because I know. Um, there is a U.S. warrant on Guanzhou, but I do think that in terms of like at least somewhat third-party stance, I do think he should be uh, freed. Uh, just I don't know how much he remembers in the information. I don't know if he actually gave away the information or not, but I do think in the end he should be free. And if like, Chinese officials can, they just take whatever like information he's he's take like take if he like didn't actually like digitally already send it or something. Cause I don't really know how he got the information or whatever, but they, they just hopefully just take the information back. If he just like had it on him or something, but yeah. I just, I think a lot of this comes from the transparency behind the investigation. Um, like we said earlier, it was a closed courtroom. So there's a lot of, is this actually like, was he actually spying, so to say, or was, is he just being detained unfairly because there isn't a lot of transparency behind it. So I think that's a lot of where the anger and trying to get him released comes from.
Okay, I was muted. <laughs> I was talking to myself. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I just said that, yeah, I think lack of transparency causes an issue in terms of what, in terms of uh, who you support. I think lack of transparency just, uh, I think, I mean, not lack of, I think it's just lack of knowledge in general in terms of what you give to the public. It causes confusion on who to support. In the end, you end up just supporting whoever you think is the better country rather than what's actually fair in terms of what the people in terms of what the person who's being uh, on trial did. So you, you're not really fair to the person uh, in terms of, cause the people are rather supporting who they think is the best country since they don't have any actual information on the situation itself. Uh, but I think that's far as like, so I, so I do agree with you that, you know, kind of like a lot of not like a, not a lot, not a lot of knowledge out, on this causes some issues there. So that's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you want to know, know more about us, follow us on Insta at Politically Unwrapped, and you can follow Project Patriarchy at Project Patriarchy. Thank you for listening.